Thanks, Kenny. A great uh, musical uh, rendition of the passage for this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 22. It's found on page 833 in your uh, pew Bible. I invite you to turn there or also you can uh, follow on the, the screen uh, the uh, appearance of Mary and Joseph at the temple with their newborn baby as uh, Simeon and Anna welcome the salvation of God in the form of a baby. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you again for your written word that tells us the story. It tells us the the story of of your rescue for us, of your salvation that is ours. We ask now that you will help us to to hear through the power of your Spirit. Speak to us so that we might too recognize Jesus wherever he might be. In his name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22. Hear the word of the Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory And for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be opposed. So that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking 
for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For Simeon and Anna, this event, can can you imagine the fulfillment as they were waiting on the temple steps? Waiting for the fulfillment of God's rescue, which they knew by the Spirit speaking to them that they were going to get to see. I mean, I've seen that on a a small scale. Adults waiting for a baby and then to receive it. Anna and Simeon got to see it on a cosmic scale. The cosmic fulfillment of the rescue for the whole world. We used to uh, um, keep uh, foster babies. Uh, When we were in Mobile, we kept foster babies. kept five. And three of those foster babies, we had the great privilege of delivering to their adoptive parents. We got to play obstetrician. At the uh, in the delivery room of Catholic social services, and those those families exhibited exactly what we'll see in Anna and Simeon. I mean, a, a time of waiting, of great waiting, of even painful waiting, of excruciating waiting and preparation, just for the day that they would be ready to receive. Their new baby. Then we got to experience with them the same thing that we see in Anna and Simeon. A joy. A celebration. We, we got to, to cry with them in the delivery room. And often it wasn't just mom and dad. But it was grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, neighbors down the street. Because this journey had been a long journey with many people. And... We got to see them right before us become a a, a new family in a very different way than they had expected when they first got married. But in one that was filled with joy. We find the same thing here in, in Simeon and Anna. We see in them a, a waiting, a preparation. If you still have your uh, Bibles, uh, you look at verse 25 and 26. Notice all that it says about Simeon, that Luke makes a, a point. He's, he's righteous and devout. He's looking forward to the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit is upon him. And Anna was the same way. I mean, for somewhere between 50 and 60 years, she stayed in the temple, fasting and praying night and day, waiting, preparing for the day that she would rejoice at receiving this baby who's going to be the redemption, the rescue of the whole world. Now, as I think about that, you know, what I want to throw out to you a, little, a rather countercultural thesis here, and that is that religion is good. Countercultural. 
I mean, even the church these days is saying religion is bad. I want to say, actually, religion's more like fire. It can be really good or really bad. It depends on its direction. It depends on what it's being used for. And in Anna and Simeon, there is a, all kinds of words that we don't use positively towards people. You know, pious. That's almost a bad word these days. But that's what we're told about Simeon. What, what, what happened in Simeon and Anna, I mean, we can't even imagine Anna, I mean, for 50, 60 years, never leaving the temple. Praying, fasting, worshiping that entire time, waiting and preparing for God. But for them, it's good because it's a preparation so that they are ready. They are able to recognize God's deliverance when it comes. I imagine with both of them, the temple was a busy place. And there were babies everywhere. It was going to take the years of preparation, the years of waiting, so that they would be formed with God's heart, with God's vision, so in tune with God's plan, that when God appeared before them, they would recognize Him. And if religion is used for that purpose, to prepare us so that when God is at work, we see it, we recognize it, we receive it with open arms, then I'm here to say religion not only is good, but it can be great. And maybe we need to get some. I mean, that's why we talk about spiritual pathways and vertical habits. That's why we gather every Sunday so that we, in a sense, can sort of come and get recalibrated. We get our vision rechecked, reformed. Our, our expectations remade so that they're remade according to the, the heart and the character of God. So that when God is doing new things around us, so that when Jesus is at work around us, we're able to see it and receive it with open arms and join in. For me, I, I love the Christian calendar. That Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter. And, and I, I recognized in a conversation just this week with a, with a friend. As we were, were talking about the challenges of Christmas. You know, how is it that we, we participate in Christmas so that when Christmas Day comes, we don't say, thank God it's over. And instead, like Anna and Simeon, we say, thank God rescue is here. Let's celebrate. You know, the Christian calendar says we're actually in, what, the third day of Christmas. You know, there are, there are 12 days of Christmas. That's according to the, the Christian calendar. That's the, the church's history. So, you know, it's third day. I got nine more days to get out my Christmas letter. It's freeing. Freeing for us, but for, for us as a family, early on, we was introduced to the Christian calendar. And, and so the first Sunday of Advent is when we go get our tree. And it's just our tradition. 
now. And this year it didn't happen. And that was a sign to me, I'm too busy. And if I'm really going to be like Anna and Simeon on Christmas morning, I better make some changes. I better get some good religion. During Advent then, we get... We said, we got to be sure we get our Advent devotional. And we used the one that Missy Kirshner wrote here. And the one that was provided by the um, family ministry here. So that Advent helps to prepare us to receive Jesus on Christmas morning and all 12 days. And then all 365. With, with that friend who's a member here, we said, you know, next year we need to... She put on her calendar. All right, October 1st, I'm going to talk to you about next Advent. Because it, it's just too hard to fight this battle against the world by myself. We, we need to do it together. And I'm like, I'm with you. We both now have teenagers that are driving. And that's... Man, I thought the birth of a baby caused life change. A greater miracle than the Incarnation would have been if God sent Jesus as an adolescent. But so, so anyway, next, first of October, we're going to... All right, how do we as a church, in a simple, clear way, once a week, you know, gather in a way just to be sure we're, we're doing Advent well? I mean, the, the, granted, there's nothing biblical about any of this stuff. Advent's not a biblical term. Uh, the, neither are trees or wreaths or poinsettias. But they're all tools that can either help us, they can be good religion, or bad. They can prepare us and help us to receive Jesus on Christmas. Our other tradition we borrowed from a friend from uh, Puerto Rico. And, and that's the, the celebration of Epiphany, uh, January 5th, the, the coming of the wise men. And uh, that's uh, one where we, we put out the uh, um, straw and we put out water beside all the kids' beds so that the camels will have something to eat and drink when they come visit. And then the wise men, because they're wise, usually leave books for us. Maybe a, a video or two. But all of those have, have helped me... In one of the busiest seasons, usually, it, like it did this year, it catches me. It says, wait a minute, what's this season about? And are you ready to receive Him with open arms? And I invite you, if you want to be a part of really preparing for uh, uh, Advent next year, or we've we still got Lent coming up. We can Lent's the same basic purpose of preparing for Easter. So that we take a step, be sure that we're, we're using the events, the religious events in a good way. So, but if that's your interest, catch me and uh, we'll uh, begin uh, preparing together. But as they were waiting, their preparation then brought great results in their joy. And can you imagine, especially Anna... You know, 50 to 60 years waiting. And there, the, the joy of receiving the salvation of the world in her arms. Because they'd been prepared, because they were looking for Jesus, they were able to recognize Him when they saw Him. 
and received him with joy. You know, so much depends on how our vision is formed. Probably one of the most forming experiences for me when I, I realized that was when I had the, the real privilege of walking with uh, Kelly Simmons through her death. She was uh, 41. She had two um, elementary age children, wonderful husband, and she was the second time around for breast cancer and Kelly and I for maybe six seven months we would meet every three uh, two or three weeks and what we and what Kelly taught me because here this was 10 years ago you know, 12 years ago you know you think I'm young now I was really young then and here I am walking with a woman that's not much older than me with children about my same age. And what Kelly in her grace and mercy taught me is how she was formed by her preparation in Sunday school and in worship and in study and in service and in caring for others and learning the love of God. She was formed by that. Her vision was formed so that her question was, as we met for those six, seven months. How did I see Jesus today? Now, now granted, in being in the, the middle of a journey with cancer does help force that issue. But if you're not prepared, it'll force you a whole nother way. And so we would talk and she would share with me how she experienced Jesus at Logan's soccer game at Chloe's recital at Chip's business dinner that night and and for six months six, seven months that was our conversation where are we seeing Jesus? where are we seeing Jesus today? where are we seeing Jesus even in cancer. Just this morning, as I was, I was pulling into the park, I kid you not, I was pulling into my parking space. And what I was listening to, quoted that familiar, reminded me that familiar quote of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth's crammed with heaven. And every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries and daub their natural faces unaware. The preparation that Kelly had done, that the church had done with Kelly, that God had done with Kelly, prepared her as she faced death, not just to pluck blackberries, but to see all of earth crammed with heaven. And it was a privilege for me to to walk with her. Anna and Simeon were the same. 
their years of preparation, of waiting, led to this great joy, this great freedom, this privilege that they had that Moses didn't have, that Abraham didn't have, that David didn't have, the prophets didn't have. But now Anna and Simeon have by holding the salvation of the world in their arms. Preparation, that preparation and that joy is the case for all of us. For throughout the passage, we're told it is, it is for all to receive this same gift. For Gentile and for Israel. For all people can receive your glory. But, not all will. Because what God does so often is surprising. It's not according to our expectation. I mean, we, we need this preparation so that when God does rescue us, when God does present Himself to us, when Jesus is right in front of us, when the, the bush is burning in front of us, when the, the, the heaven-crammed earth is before us, we're able to see it and we can know that it will be unexpected and at times even contentious. That's Simeon's word to Mary. Jesus will become... Not only the rescue for the whole world, but also a point of contention. You know what happens with every baby? Granted, when they're first born, they're ugly. But real soon, you know, their head starts to form like a real head and not look like some tube or something. And they get cleaned up. And then there's that baby face, the skin, you know, the head, you know, way out of proportion to the body. I just love it, you know, when kids, you know, they can't put their hands above their head, you know. Just adorable. A cute baby. But then they grow up. And Jesus did the same. He was a cute baby. The salvation of the world in the arms of Simeon and Anna. But then he grew up. And, he repos- and, and what he showed, what he revealed in his life, as others responded to him, were the results of bad religion. I mean, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, They were also religious. And they're the ones that give religion a bad name. And and as the story unfolds, as Jesus grows up, He becomes that bone of contention in that category of the religious people of His day. Their, Their religion was really meant to fulfill traditions, to maintain their doctrines, and to avoid change and remain comfortable no matter what. That was the purpose of their religion. And God showed up right in front of them. And they not only didn't receive Him with open arms and joy, they not only didn't just ignore Him, but they opposed Him to His face. Jesus never is 
a middle man. Jesus is, is never one that can oh, take some and leave some. No, Jesus is one, the Jesus of the Bible, that either you embrace or you oppose. C.S. Lewis said it so well. He's either Lord or he's a liar or a lunatic. He can't just be a nice teacher. He can't just be a, a good guy with some special gifts. He's either Lord or he's a liar or a lunatic. See, the problem is that the baby had to grow up and, and that baby became a man, then takes us He leads His people to new places. It's the nature of God to lead us to new places. Because we've never arrived. We're we're never exactly all that God wants us to be. Now God loves us just as we are and He loves us so much He doesn't want us to stay just as we are. And so He will always, always be leading us to new places. And new places usually mean places of discomfort. Places of contention. And that's what Simeon knows and understands and wants to communicate to Mary. Now here, we are on the cusp of a new year. Wondering, where will God lead us now in this continuing Rescue plan. Are we prepared? Are we ready to receive it with joy? He's going to continue to carry out his plan of rescue. And these last few days, 2008, is a great time for us to ask ourselves and to ask God are we prepared? So that we are looking for Jesus? Are we looking for heaven crammed into our world? And are we ready to receive it with open arms and joy? Be prepared. Be prepared because Jesus is not just born on Christmas morning, but every morning. He's before us and He's at work. And it's our privilege. The purpose that we gather here is so that we're prepared and ready to go to the places that He takes us. As I mentioned last week, I want to bring up before you again, asking the question, is this Jesus before us? Is this Jesus leading us into a a new direction? Those of you that were here last week will hopefully remember, if somebody woke you up by the time I shared this, that Winton Hills Community Church, which is a Presbyterian church just down the road next to Winton Terrace, which is a large public housing neighborhood, they're a Presbyterian church pastored by Reverend Chip Hall, And they've asked if we would consider merging with them as a church. And the task that I gave you last week and that I give you this week is to ask the question, 
to begin to ask the question, is this Jesus? Is this the work of God leading us into a new direction? And ask the question that's, that's before us. And if it is, then we've got some work of preparation. Knowing that if Jesus does that work, it will bring joy, but also contention. As God leads us into something new, the baby, cute and adorable, will grow up. That's why it's so important for us to address this request, this pursuit, with not the question, do I like it, will it help us, will it help us grow, but is this what Jesus is leading us to do? Because if it's what Jesus is leading us to do, then we're committed to it. And we're ready to do the work of preparation. We're ready to address the contention that will occur whenever God does a new thing. And if it's, if it's not, then we move on to that, to the next thing. What is the new thing that God is doing in our midst? So we join with Anna and we join with Simeon. We prepare for the baby. We rejoice at his birth. And then... The work begins because the cute baby grows up and God continues to carry out His rescue plan, leading us into something new for our rescue and for the rescue of the world. Amen.